Hey guys, thanks for for jumping in with us today on the podcast Teach Me to Father. This is Barry Edgman, leader and founder of Father Seekers, and this is our podcast Teach Me to Father. This podcast is for dads, fathers who grew up fatherless, who had no idea what to do or how to do it, and they they just really don't have all the tools to be the best dad they can that's our goal that's one of our goals here is to create that pathway for you to have the tools and the information you need to be a good dad hey i want to i want to continue today from last week with my my friend keith archiquette probably if you've ever if you've ever been uh hanging out with a young guy a young gun um uh, a trendy today's man man it's this guy and he has got an <laughs> he's got an incre- he's the guy that everybody sort of wants to be like he plays several instruments plays the guitar rides motorcycle tom cruise looking guy young tom cruise looking guy and just an incredible story we're going to jump in today keith let's pick up where we left off and i don't want to throw it over to you and just let's roll with it yeah. right where we left off okay yeah so I didn't, I, unfortunately I didn't listen to my episode because I just don't, I don't think I could have listened to myself talk for that long. So if you have, well, made it, actually a lot of people did it, and, and they have, they have said, bro, it, that guy, if you've made it this far, uh, yeah, yeah. um, my, my guess is you don't need much of a recap. I, I do like to think that, uh, I know where we left the story off. I was probably in my early teens. Yeah. Um, uh, things were starting to get pretty haywire at this point uh, in my life. I could probably say that, uh, it could be summed up to either just a bad, bad hand of cards. I was dealt. Mm. It was, it was tragic, but you know, you made it sort of, mm. uh, there wasn't a lot of, there wasn't a lot of God in my life. Mm. So the second half of my life here that will lead me up to today, God makes himself abundantly present and known mm. in my life and people around me uh, can see uh, him. So I don't know what I'm, I'm a teenager. I'm doing drugs, a uh, significant portion of it. And, and I guess if you, if you have a teenager right now, I mm. like, cause I always think of my, like my, my children, like eight, seven and eight. And uh, I'm like, man, but when I was their age, I was doing this. And mm-hmm. then my wife constantly reminds me, you, you, you shouldn't really compare the two because yours was kind of, was kind of screwed up. Yeah. What are, what are, what are some of the warning signs that, that, uh, single moms could go, wait a minute, that doesn't seem right, but I can't put my finger on it. What are a couple of warning signs that you could throw out to single moms that would say, look, th- this is a red flag. This is a stop sign for you, mom. If you see this going on, you need to address this with your son. Uh, I think single moms are single dads. Uh, communication. I think if yeah. I think if your kids stop talking to you, yeah, or you stop talking to them, yeah. If you uh, if you don't know who they're hanging out with, mm. if you don't know what they're doing between the hours of, mm. I think a big red flag in my in my childhood was that my mom wasn't really at present, but she also was overbearingly controlling when she was. Mm. Uh, like there were a lot of rules set that she wasn't necessarily there to enforce them. But, uh, because there were so much rules in my house, 
it made me, it made me rebel. You know, there wasn't any, mm. there wasn't any give, you know? Mm. And I remember the a conversation, like <laughs> conversation I had with my mom. I remember uh, uh, right, right at the end here, we had a kind of screaming match. I, I would have been probably 18 in, in her, in her kitchen. Mm. And I, I remember screaming, like not screaming like at her, but like saying like out loud and, you know, to know that I'm really questioning. I said, where were you then? Like where the, where the heck were you? Mm. If you cared this much, where were you? Mm. And I remember, uh, gosh, that conversation really, that night I remember so much because for the first time in my life, uh, uh, my mom looked at me and she said, I'm sorry. It, yeah, I'm sorry. I screwed up. And I think that that was the, uh, the, uh, the moment in me and her relationship that it changed the, the, the temperature of the relationship changed the, the, posture of it changed, hmm. but I don't, I would say red flags. Um, <laughs> what they say every, 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 every bad human being either had, uh, they all have mommy or daddy issues or both. Either they were too present or they weren't present at all. Mm -hmm. You know? So it's like, there's no real recipe that says, um, it, well, if you're there a lot, you're going to, you're going to have successful, healthy children because that has proven time and time again to not always be the, the, uh, the remedy either. There has to be like a little give and take, but I would say what I'm doing with my children that I would absolutely, if somebody asked me about how to parent children. So my, my children are what, eight and seven. So they're, they're past the one third point of me of the zero to 18 year of the 72 seasons you're going to have with your children. <laughs> like we are past the one third threshold, you know, edging, edging closer and closer to the 50% mark. So, Halfway there, I would say, uh, there has to be some give and take. They have to be able to fail. Mm. You have to let them fail at a distance, mm. uh, but not a distance where you don't see them failing or hear them failing. Mm -hmm. They have to fall down. And, and I, I want to be the dad that's like, but they can fall into my lap. Yeah. You know, that's but good. sometimes they got to scuff up their knees, man. Yeah. My, my daughter just screwed up her, uh, <laughs> she was outside playing and man, they were, the cuts on her knees were bad. Like mm. she, she hit uh, the neighbor kid. He was on a bike. She wasn't. And she fell both knees. Like you, you could see white. Mm. It, and so for, for three weeks we were bandaging up her knees, you know, and, uh, I could, I, a couple times a day. And it, the first few days were super painful, man. She was screaming and crying and like, Oh, ah, rubbing alcohol hurts. Yeah. Um, and so I, now her knees are healed. They're healed now. Would I, as a father, if you had said, um, would you rather her never to have fallen? So she didn't experience that pain. It would be very difficult for me to say, no, she had to fall. Mm. She had to experience that pain. She yeah. had to understand that. And the good thing is she experienced that pain and that fall when I was just inside. And so my son came in and goes, Parker fell and it was really bad. Mm -hmm. So I was there in seconds, mm -hmm. you know, to pick her up and say, let's go. We got to go clean those up, girl. Let's go. Mm. You know, I, I want my children to be able to have the, uh, to, I want them to be able to afford to fall when I'm just in the next room. Yeah. Go back to the point, because I think a lot, a lot of, a lot of young guys, um, and what we're about to talk about is probably more for parents than, than for young teenage guys who may or may not listen. But you, you touched on something. Uh, you were by yourself for years. Mm -hmm. You were latchkey for years. You took care of yourself. You bathed, fed, yeah. mealed, 
transported all of that you did yourself all of it and then when your mom stepped back in it triggered this this flare i would call it a flare of of not rebellion it sounds it sounds like rebellion and i think a lot of times especially single moms feel like that when this happens this is a rebellion thing with my son or my daughter it's not a rebellion thing it's it's being isolated and alone and feeling alone mm-hmm. and wanting mom or dad to be involved and they're not. And then when they step in and recognize, hey, I need to get more involved in my son or daughter's life, and they do, but they happen to be in mid-teens, late-teens, yeah. then there's this pushback of, well, where in the heck were you when I needed you when I was 10? You yeah. weren't there 10. Yeah. Talk about that and yeah. how, to, how to- I think you summed that up beautifully. Yeah. I mean, there, yeah. So I'm, I'm in my timeline here, I'm 13, 14, 15. And yeah. I, 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 there's a physical body that shows up at the house at nights, mm. but it's cold. It's, so, a, it's a cold body. So, so what you're talking about, we talked about this before, but you're talking about some, a parent being, being, uh, present, but not available and engaged correct. and active. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And, and in our DNA, in our in our wiring by God, we're wired to want that. We're wired to need mm-hmm. that involvement from parents. And when it's not there, then we we turn to this, we turn to the Cain mentality of, well, I will do it my way because you're not here. I think you're mad at me, or you've re- rejected me, yeah. or I feel isolated. So I'm going to do my own thing. And now when I do my own thing, and you come back in and try to be a parent. Who are you? It's like laughable. It's laughable. It's like what? Are you, it's laughable. What are you doing? You're 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 like this this uh, authoritative figure that's yeah. very very small. Yeah. But you're hey, you need nothing. Yeah. You know, like yeah. like a honey, little, I shrunk the kids. Like a little miniature version. Yeah. Honey, I shrunk the kids. And you're like, what are you doing? Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So yeah. My my teens progressively got worse. I, so you grew up really fast. Like, I, grew, I grew up really fast. Zoom I grew up, I grew up really fast, but I think I grew up really fast by the age of six, seven, eight. I mm, was able and capable mm, of, mm, uh, mm, you know, to, I was capable of like, mm. like, I, I don't even know how I reached cabinets at that point or pans yeah. at that point to be able to cook anything. Yeah. But, but I did, but you did, you know, I, I don't, I don't, but you did like <laughs> my wife says that with, with, uh, with our kids, like, like, they're like, well, they can't even reach the napkins because mm. we put the napkins above the microwave, which yeah. we have a microwave that's uh, in, in our cabinetry. Yeah. And so our, our napkins are above it. So like even, yeah. even she has to go down her tiptoes and she, and yeah. this week she goes, we ought to get a, like a napkin dispenser for our kitchen table because like the kids, if we said, go get napkins, they, they, they can't reach napkins mm. right now. Mm. I don't know how I reach napkins. But yeah, I, I, so I grew up really, really fast, but. Also, from a psychological standpoint, when I, uh, I, I kind of stopped mentally, emotionally maturing at the age of my trauma, right? And that's a that's that's really good. Most, Say that again. Say well, that well, again. Almost every psychologist would agree that when that first trauma hits, the big one, emotionally, you stop maturing at the rate you should arrested development. Yeah. Yeah. It's arrested yeah. development. And there's very, I, I can't think of a single psychologist that would say, Nope, yeah. I don't believe in that theory. Yeah. Like all of us are like, yeah, you're, you're, a, you, so you're not you're growing a little bit, mm-hmm. but you're not growing, uh, in areas at all yeah. in some. So yeah. I end up getting sober. I'm, I'm sober at 19. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, 
but I, but I'm a, I'm a seven-year-old in a lot of regards with, with affection. I'm a seven-year-old in a lot of regards with mm-hmm. like, even to this day though, I, I really like hugs, right? Yeah. So, but I didn't get them as a kid. Right. So I think it's a healthy version of liking hugs, yeah. but you know, I was, I was a child in that regards. Mm-hmm. Um, in regards to uh, maturity, I think by the time I was in my mid twenties where my life starting to get back into shape and stuff. Um, in a lot of regards, when I still, when I ran uh, with, from fear, when I, uh, fight or flight, when I, I'm a flight case, Mm -hmm. um, I was a, I was an early teenager because that's when, that's when my addiction set in. Mm -hmm. I was 12, 13, 14 when I'm taking handfuls of pills a day, Mm -hmm. handfuls. Now, what, what, what was, what was in your, in your little boy mind, Mm -hmm. in your little, in your seven, eight, six, twelve year old mm-hmm. mind, what what drove you to seek after medicated relief? What drove you to that? Happiness. So ha- happiness, and have you ever? And I, I know I'm going to say this, and not every listener has felt this, but yeah. uh, your your brain, my brain, never shuts up. It never stopped. Yeah, and I just wanted my brain to be quiet for a little bit. Yeah. Got it. I, I just Got wanted it. it to be quiet. Yep. And so when I when it when I started early on, it, it was quiet. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it didn't matter about my circumstance or my past. Mm-hmm. It's like everything made sense for a second. Mm-hmm. It was. It's like truly. It's what. It's, it's what, having God in your life today abundantly. It's that feeling you have, but you didn't know it before you picked up, before you picked up those pills. Are you, before you drank or before you snorted that. Mm. And when you did, you're like, all of a sudden you're enlightened. Mm-hmm. And now today with how God is in my life, I'm, I'm enlightened like this yeah. all the time now. Yeah. So, so how, how did you, I mean, we can all presume based on our experiences, but how did you get introduced to that level of, of alcohol and narcotics? At um, that young age, how did you, how you just did find people, happen? find people to buy it, uh, find people to buy it or get it to you. Mm. You're it's not difficult. At least it wasn't in the nineties. And I don't think mm. I, I don't, I like, I haven't been in the, uh, in the, in the streets trying to find drugs today, Yeah, but I, I don't think that that has changed. Mm. I, I, you think of every mm. demographic, every decade, every generation, you know, the sixties, it was yeah. easy to find drugs. Yeah. In the seventies, it was easy to find drugs. In the eighties, it was easy to find drugs. Now, and a lot of those drugs, to be to be fair, now, it, depending on the state we talk about, mm-hmm. they're legalized. Yeah, some marijuana is legalized yeah. in, in yeah. a ton of states. And in California, there are several cities. Just just learned this this week, and I'm going, holy Jesus, help us! That that you can go to stop to stop infection, uh, AIDS virus and that kind of thing mm-hmm. through intravenous drug use. There are places that you can go to now and get heroin. It will, it I, will I, be dosed to you. And I wouldn't give, doubt it. Yeah. 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 Uh, what's unbelievable though. What's unbelievable is that we're, we're talking about a little kid mm-hmm. who's, who's the direct representation of millions of people of little boys who yeah. grew up like this. I can't, the, the, Millions. The, the weird thing is like some gas stations, like in the nineties, I think it's, a, I think that that is, it has improved, but like you could go and buy, like, I can't imagine a 14 year old going and buying a bottle of Robitussin just to drink. 
right? But in the nineties, the, the, the pharmacy What's, text just looked and said, okay, that's yeah. going to be seven ninety nine. So like, yeah. like it, it, today, if I, if I like my, 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 my son's eight, but like, mm. if you put six more years on him, I'd be like, what, why are you selling that child a Robitussin? What yeah. are you doing there? There's a real popular recipe out there and you, uh, you know, I'm not div- divulging any secret information. It's out there. Uh, but there is, there is to the Robitussin thing there, there's some little thing several years ago where the big deal was to buy Robitussin and drop Skittles in it well, and do some, well, that's, that's, just, that, that's just to make it taste better. Right. My point is that we we seek out this peace and this quiet and this, give me a few minutes that my soul will stop screaming right. and my mind will stop so that I can I can manage the the isolation, right? Uh, the intimidation, the inferiority, the the abandonment. Just give me a minute, right? Give me a minute. So that, and I don't think that. Well, my story that substitution was uh, drugs and alcohol, but I, I I don't think that I don't think that my story only pertains to people that use drugs and alcohol. You sub out. I say every man has an Achilles heel. Yep. You sub out my Achilles for yours mm-hmm. and our stories are the same. Yeah. Mine. It's good. It's and, really good. And when you talk to to addicts and, uh, that are addicted to other things, you know, I think, I think the drugs and alcohol, uh, I, I think I, I bring up pastor Dallas cause what his, what his addictions are in. Mm-hmm. And he goes, you know what? Yours are just more sexier. You know, yeah. like if you walk into a room and be like, yeah, I was a, I was a Coke addict. Yeah. People are like, Oh, all right, man. He's like, when I walk into a room and say I'm a, I was a porn addict, people are like, yeah. ew. Mm. you know? And so I think that maybe there's more glam with, with the drug addiction part of the story, but you sub out that with sex addiction. Mm -hmm. And then my story can parallel. You're just trying to get something that you don't have. Right. You're trying to get a feeling that you, that you don't have. You use the word substitute. Yeah. You you substitute, you substitute food, you know, Oh, I just, I feel, I just want just my brain to shut off. And when I sit down and, and when I sit down and have a bag of chips, it just shuts off. You sub that out for working out. I just want my brain to, to, to just shut up. And so I go to the gym and it does. And you sub that out for work. You know, I, I just want to, I, I, I feel in, in, inadequate and I want to provide for my family. So if I go to work and work, 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 work and bring home money, then I, I found my, I found value my family values me then you, you, you sub that out for any of these things. Yeah. You, you mentioned a word that's, uh, in one of my little sidetracks that I really, do, in college, I was not the best student. I mean, this, if you, you know, if you know me, you, you probably go, yeah, I can believe that. But the one thing that I excelled in that I really loved more than anything else was theology. It was, it calmed it calmed a lot of. So when you said the word substitute, Jesus was the substitutionary offering for our peace. In other words, he was that sacrificial offering yeah. for us to to have that peace. That's good. Without without coping, without finding coping mechanisms, mm-hmm. without uh, without without looking for. Uh, things of this world that would bring temporary peace. And you, you mentioned before in, in our pre-talk, you mentioned uh, chasing 
chase the first night. Mm-hmm. Like I think when we want peace so bad that we'll do anything to chase chase the 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 euphoria of that first experience. Well, the first experience is usually the best one because it's, yeah. it's so There's it's no so doubt. it's so enlightening. Yeah, that we think every experience is going to give me even more enlightenment. Yeah, and it doesn't. Yeah, so you've seen the top of the mountain, and now the only way down is down, or yeah. the only way, <laughs> the only yeah. direction you can go is down. But isn't that where the escalation comes into yeah. play? Like because you keep grabbing for that enlightenment that you once had. Yeah, and now that now the the grabbing for it, it turns into just baseline. The law of diminishing return. Is yeah. what that is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. that's crazy. And and you look, you can you if you're listening to this, I you can apply that to anything that yeah. you are abusing in your life. Yeah. Even even down to the positive things that yield yeah. good results, like yeah. going to work, like per, like working on a personal business, like yeah. working out. I mean, you look at some people's bodies and they're they're really good, but you, you know what? That came at a price. You are talking now, when we talk about the substitutionary work that Christ substituted himself for our sin, wickedness, brokenness, mm-hmm. so that we could be made whole. When you're talking about that and we don't we don't receive that substitutionary offering that Christ made, and we're getting a little deep here more than yeah. we usually do, but it's still good. Because I don't even think we moved on on the, on the story here. No, we're not. Hold on. <laughs> this is a really good story. Yeah, don't go anywhere. Uh but when we talk about when we talk about finding things that bring us peace that's not Jesus, we we begin to justify behavior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> the older man gets, the more justification he searches for in his life. Mm-hmm. And the the your your depth of whatever it is you're abusing in your life, if you, if it be a substance or a, an action or a person or a thing or a good thing, it's it's it's. You, you're, you're, it's digging this hole deeper and deeper and deeper. And it's just reducing, you, you can't keep your moral values at the same level. So you, as, as you dig deeper into this hole, mm-hmm. you also have to bring your values down with you and mm-hmm. at the point where that's really good, where you're just like, I can't, that's really good. I can't do this. They call it the rock, your rock bottom. Yeah. When you hit rock bottom, yeah. it's because I just, I couldn't keep up diminishing my moral values mm-hmm. as quickly as I was digging. Oh, that's good. You know, that's a takeaway. So I, 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 I reached that point in my life when I was 19. I just, I kept, I kept doing more, more horrible upon more horrible things. And my values couldn't depreciate as quickly as I was digging mm. and something mm. had to change that's, in the beginning. I can, I could throw away some morals. And heavy, values. Heavy. I can absolutely do that because heavy. it was worth the, the exchange on the temporary peace you had. So, so peace, the pursuit of peace at just a kid. Mm-hmm. A kid, kid. Yeah, that that was the ringing in your ears. That was the tinnitus. Yeah, that was screaming, and you had to have peace. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I so I I would find my first rehab when I was sixteen. Mm. I would find my first inpatient when I was seventeen. Mm. Uh, I went to the hospital a handful of times on overdosing. Um, they were it was intended to kill myself. Yeah, that was every morning I woke up. I would, I I would curse that I didn't die. Mm. I, and I, I, I've, I've told people this before, you know, that I had reached a point in my life where I couldn't brush my teeth with my lights on because if I, if I brushed my teeth with my lights on, I had to look at myself in the mirror mm. and I, I didn't want to look at myself. Why in the did you, anymore. why did you not like yourself so much? Because I think what comes back to the, my morals were, were slipping so fast. And there came a point where once your morals depreciate to a level, now you're disgusted with it. Mm. 
you know, now you're disgusted with it. Mm. And, uh, I was disgusted with it. I was, I was in my pursuit of, in my pursuit of peace, I started hurting people around me. So disgusted is that, could that be for people who are listening that feel disgusted? Yeah. Could you put a little bit of illumination on that and talk about, I was ashamed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm currently what's 16, 17. Yeah. And I grew up hating my my family, mm. my extended family, because they had abandoned right. they abandoned me after my father's death. Yeah. I hated my father because he had passed away. Yeah, uh, hated I hated everything about it. I hate my mom for remarrying. Yeah, I hated I hated that she was o- overbearingly kind of like a, a a prick, but not there to you know there was there was there was there was no compassion. There was no love. There was there was you got to do this because this is my house. Mm. and mm. not not go outside cuz i or go outside go somewhere else cuz i don't that's I don't like, see you that's like that's like i've i've read some about that that's like telling a fatherless boy or man that's like trying to sew up a laceration a deep to the bone laceration without any any surgical thread yeah it's just so <laughs> So the the, sh- the shame starts coming in because mm. it's feel, it's anger, yeah, right. But the main the what the first part of that anger is that I I grew up like saying oh, I hate my dad because mm. of of this life that I have now because of his death, mm. and and then the shame the shame clicks over because I realize at sixteen, oh I'm I I am him, I I'm. I didn't want to be uh, an addict. I didn't want to be an alcoholic. And it turns out I am. How, how did that happen? I say. And then now I'm ashamed because the thing I despised growing up, the thing that put me in the position that I'm in, I had become. And and I'm ashamed because I'm stealing from people. I'm ashamed because I'm lying to people. I'm ashamed because I'm sleeping with people. Mm. And so and I'm hurting people when I do all these things. So so what you just described is the love hate relationship that a fatherless boy has with his father love hate. Yeah. He wants him, but he's, he's mad at him because he's, yeah. he's abandoned. And turns out you, I ended up being the exact same thing. Yeah. Talk about that. Talk I, about that. I, why, why, why do you, from your perspective, from my perspective today is different than my perspective. Then talk about that. My perspective then was, uh, genetically speaking, I was always going to be that way. Uh, uh, addiction ran in my family. His father died the same way. His, my, his uncle's dad, there was a wrecking path of mm. the Archer quit last name wasn't, mm. and still <laughs> truthfully yeah. isn't the a last name that is held except in for you high regard. Yeah. Well, and that's yeah. how my perspective on it today yeah. is that I, I look at that. And of course that was what was going to happen. Uh, there was, there's generational curses that I'm sure every generation mm. of the Archer had yeah. a chance to change. Yeah. They had an opportunity to change and this comes back to when God calls, you have to answer. Right. And so today I look at it as I, I, I myself, by doing what God instructed me to do, I, I, I broke a generational curse. And, mm-hmm. and then you say, did you do it? And I, I say, well, God did it. But I just, all I had to, would, to have was the heart. Talk I, about, talk about the work of that, Keith. 
because yeah because breaking we get this idea i think of guys i've talked to and even myself i felt this way is that we've got to do all this heavy lifting to break the curse and actually you just gave a one step one shot plan to do it mm-hmm. it's it's an interesting war that it's the it's one of the wars maybe one of the only ones in the world that you win by surrendering yeah by saying nah, i i give up yeah. And then, and then you said, I just, I just do what God tells me. I answered yeah. when he yeah. called. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I can't, he can, so I'm going to let him. Yeah. Um, I was, so I was on at the, at the moment I was at on, uh, I was drinking, I was doing a lot of drugs and unfortunately I was driving around doing it. And, uh, I, I just have always liked to drive. I, I love wheels. And one night I hit a, hit a curve. I didn't see the sign that said reduce speed to 35 and it was in the country. And I hit this curve. It had to have been in the eighties because mm. that's what I, you know, mm. I had a nice Honda civic type R that was really mm. fast and <laughs> they don't fly and they don't float. Mm. I, I found. Yeah. Truth. Um, so I hit this corner going way too fast and my car flipped was airborne. I remember when I was airborne like that, it, it was a split second, but one of those like split seconds that felt like 10 seconds and to like see it. Yeah. It was like in the movie, slow motion. It, is, is, it, it, it feels like that. And then, uh, so the car flipped, it lands, airbags go off. I'm out for a second. I reawaken and I caught the, I, I hear sirens and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I, maybe I was out for a little bit more than a yeah, second. Yeah. Um, and uh, I had drugs on me. I was drinking and mm. the cop, and I, I wish I would know his name. I bet you if I got a police record, I could, I could find this guy. Cause he was, he wasn't, he was compassionate. He, uh, we had a good long talk to go to the Atacami, Atacami, Atacami County jail. Uh, I, I was somewhere in fish Creek. <laughs> I don't know how I ended. And how in so, the so if you, if oh you're, God. if you're listening to this and you're not from yeah, the area, yeah. uh, that's about 35 miles away from the yeah, city. Yeah. And, and then to get to the, the County jail is probably another 20 miles away yeah. or something. So, uh, I'm arrested, uh, with, uh, OWI and drug possession. Mm. Um, I'm, I think I'm 18 at the time. Yeah. And, uh, this cop though, I remember he, I was in the back of the, the squad car and I guess it doesn't really click on what's, what's about what's going to happen. So like, no, you're, you're, you're going to jail. Mm. I go, Oh, I, you know, he's like that, that first I'm okay. I'm going to jail. Mm. Um, but we had a talk and he's like, you know what, man, you gotta, you're young. What do you, you you're screwing up. You don't have it, it, just by talking to you. You're not an idiot. And, and I, I remember, I don't know the guy's name, but I, the, when I left his squad car, I didn't feel like, uh, I felt like he, he did what officers should, should be known as like yeah. their public safety, but also yeah. uplifting. Yeah. And I, yeah. So someday, if someday if I meet him, I'd, I'd love to, that'd be great. Uh, but anyway, I go to jail. Uh, I go to court on it. Um, they say I have to go to AODA counseling. Mm. And th- other than that, it was kind of slap on the wrist. AODA counseling. You, yeah. can't, you can't drive Yeah, uh, license taken away for a year. Um, big fine. I didn't have any community service. So I go to AODA, right? Well, with the drug charges are like, you, you will go to jail if you don't do these things. Mm. So, uh, I go to AODA and I was, I was just faking it. Right. Uh, saying what needed to be said. I would actually show up high a lot of the times, like on various forms of drugs. I would get 
I would get UA tested. So P tested a lot. And I was down to this point where like I could figure out if I, if I did cocaine on Sunday night, my first UA would be Wednesday at 3 PM. I could do cocaine no later than I think it was like 6 PM in order for it to clear out 48 hours by 72 hours, it should clear your system. Mm. And, but, but I also have to drink a lot of water and I was going to GNC mm. to buy creatine at the time, not to work out, but yeah. just to clear my system quicker. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I Crazy. mean, I guess, you know, if there's a problem, if you're, yeah. if you're already making plans and systems yeah. to, yeah. to pass UA tests midweek, yeah. Holy um, cow. I was, uh, I really like truck stop speed. It's called, uh, it's called Fedrin. Mm. I don't, I don't know if you can still buy it, but you used to be able to buy it at truck stops yeah. and they're just like these energy pills. Yeah. Um, you're supposed to take like one or two and you, you're going to feel it. Yeah. And that by the, by that time I was taking, uh, about 75 a day mm-hmm. and I, a bottle, I had, I had 50 of them in a bottle. So I would oh. go in daily and buy three bottles to always have some. And yeah. it tasted awful, but yeah. so I just knew if I, if I did all that by Sunday, then I, then I would just have to, I could only drink Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. I couldn't do drugs. Then after Wednesday, it's so anyway, I'm doing AODA, uh, I'm getting really close to the end here on my, on my paper, on my paperwork. So I'm going to, the state's not going to have anything on me. You know, they're not going to, I will have done everything that the courts wanted me to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then rehabilitated, I would have been rehabilitated in the eyes of the, in the eyes of the state of Wisconsin, uh, three days before the paperwork, before I'm off paper. Um, I was in a car and a couple of people with a couple of people. And at the time, at the time when you get to like, to answer your question, when, when you, how do you get drugs at that age? Well, unsavory people have drugs, uh, in the nineties, in the, well, this would been the early two thousands. Um, I, I hung out with just people in gangs. So my morals in that regard had to change. I was getting into a lot of fist fights. I was doing gang activity. I was selling mm. drugs because drugs are expensive. Yeah. So the only, if, if you have $400, a day drug habit and cocaine, you got to make four or $500 a day in selling drugs. Yeah. So I was selling pot, yeah. um, a lot of it. Yeah. And you get that from distributors coming from Milwaukee that came from Chicago. And those were all the people I knew were gang affiliated. Mm-hmm. So my, my circle of people was diminishing as well. The circle of people that cared about me or, or were probably positive influences that that group was diminishing. Yeah. Um, that's that is you have described a pathway that is so common for for and maybe not to the to to the degree that yours was but it's so common at how a, a the pain of no father will drive a guy to to just have peace yeah to just even a kid to drive him to the place that he'll do almost anything for peace overlay overlay because it's a big part of this story, I think. But overlay your story with with your music. Okay, that's that so, to me. So the the, huge. the the left corner turns right right here at this story. I'm out, I'm out that night, three days before paperwork and papers done. Um, I'm in a car. We're we're drinking. We're doing drugs. It was a it's Thursday, Friday night, or something. Thir- I bet you it was Thursday because I was doing drugs. Um, we get pulled over because. The guy's mufflers loud, and uh, and I'm sitting in the front, right? And mm. there's a guy in the back that has a warrant out for his arrest. Oh, and uh, and I, I remember clearly I was I, I I started I I prayed for the first time in my life I think because up till up till now I saw myself as uh, God God and the angels kind of like uh, 
there has to be a jester somewhere on this earth and we'll just keep throwing crap at this guy just to get a laugh out of it. Mm. I really thought I was the, the butt of the jokes up there that all right, see, 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 how he, see what he does now. Mm. Oh my gosh. He did. <laughs> I told you he was going to do that. I thought I was that. Uh, so for the first time I humbly started praying. I prayed while the, while the car, the, the cop is behind us. I just closed my eyes. Cause I just, I knew it was like three days later I'd be off paper and I wouldn't have to worry about this anymore. And I, I remember I was, I, I, I was, just kept closed my eyes and I, I went to God, if, if you're, if you're there, God, if you're there, just make this go away. And I, remember I just prayed it over and just make this go away. Just make mm. this go away. Just make this go away. Just make this go away. Mm. <laughs> so the funny point, the guy in the back goes, dude, what the heck are you doing? Mm. And I go, I, 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 I'm praying. I, 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 I don't know what else to do, man. It's mm. good. Everyone parts their separate ways then. Yeah. Everyone goes to their respective jails. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, and, uh, the state of Wisconsin said, all right, you're done. You, you're either going to go to jail for three months, which again, I look back and I like three months. That's actually not really that long of a sentence for mm. screwing up as badly. Or they said, or you're, we'll give you the opportunity to go to inpatient rehab and, uh, for 30 days door you, number two, but you gotta go, you gotta go tomorrow. Mm. And it was like two days later. He's like, and so you got to go tomorrow. I'm like, mm -hmm. but I took that door because mm -hmm. I could smoke cigarettes and yeah. I have normal milk. That was literally the, wow. o the only reason why I went to door number, door number two. Low hanging fruit. Yep. Yeah. I can smoke cigarettes in rehab and it's real milk. Mm. And, uh, holy cow. And so I'm 19 years old, uh, packed a bag, went to rehab and, uh, and the, that's when God starts becoming very apparent. The day one, I'm coming off of Coke, meth, uh, mm, mm. booze. So I'm shaking, I'm sweating. I feel sick. Day two, I'm throwing up. I'm, mm. And I had to keep it together too, because they said, if you, if you don't make it these through the 28 days, you're going to go to jail. So I had to keep my, like I had to keep if, and, and, and so if like I'm throwing up to the point where I had to go to the hospital on detox, that's considered non-compliance and you're going to go to jail. Mm. So like by day two, I'm throwing up and I'm like, I really got to keep this together here. Mm. I really, cause mm. I don't, I, I really don't want to go to jail. Right. Uh, and then day three happens. And, uh, I mean, some of this was over the worst 48 hours of my life. It was, a, it was in May. And that year I remember it was so obnoxiously warm early <laughs> and there was no AC in, in rehab. So I'm just like profusely sweating out uh. all these narcotics. Uh, and there's just no AC and I'm just mm. all sweating. But on the third day, I'm sitting in, in my in my in my room at the inpatient center. I'm looking out this window, and mm. um, I'm looking at this mailbox, and people are coming and going. And the cool thing about rehab is that they also let me bring a guitar, which was, oh wow, which is very wow, which is very generous. That's cool. So I, I'm playing a guitar at the at this desk and looking at this mailbox, and it's downtown Green Bay. It's at the Jackie Nishki Center on Cherry Street. I'm looking at this mailbox, and and uh. And it just clicked it. And God, that was the first time the Holy spirit came to me and said, uh, are you ready now? Hmm. Like, do I have your attention? Hmm. And I remember thinking like, gosh, you've had my attention this whole time. Where, and that diverted <laughs> back to where were you? Where were you? And hmm. I can look back now uh, and, and know that, you don't go into brain surgery. You don't allow a person to open up a brain and do surgery on it unless they go to school. Right. That's good. And, and for, 
20 years of my life, I was going to school. Mm-hmm. And that's good. And God said, well, now what are you going to do with it? So good. What are you going to do with it? And I was promised by God that that day. And I'm reaffirmed every other, every, every day since that mm. I, your life, I will put back together and I'll make it, I will make it so good beyond your wildest dreams. But you, you just gotta, you just gotta tell people about me wherever you go. Hmm. You do oh, that. That's good, you do that and you're going to get paid off. I, I, I finished rehab. Uh, I was a stubborn idiot still. I was 20 years old. I remember I got I, the 28th day. The counselor looked at me and goes, I give you a fighting chance in hell of staying sober. Like n- no fighting chance. You take your, you take your medallion, 28 day chip, get out of here. Hmm. And, uh, and that was in April of 2002. And I've, I've stayed sober since <laughs> but wow. maybe, so, that fir- maybe that first year was a little bit of, 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 well, I'll show you, but God kept working Yeah, and it was a slow work. God kept working in me, kept, uh, stretching my bones and each, and in each season of growth, he, mm. it hurt sometimes, Yeah, but he kept stretching and I, I, I just didn't give up. And by giving up, I just didn't walk away from him. Yeah. And I kept praying and I did what was required of me to do that. He required me to do admit my faults to another human being to, a, mm-hmm. uh, to him and to myself, mm-hmm. trust that he'll remove it. If I ask, Yeah. go make right of all the wrongs you've done. Mm-hmm. If you can, mm-hmm. and if you can't make right with it with me and I'll forgive it, mm-hmm. give your heart and soul to me, pray to me, meditate with me, hang out with me daily. Mm-hmm. And then go tell everyone you possibly can what, what I've done. It's mm, good. Tw- what, 20 years later, I'm what, 21 years later now. Uh, I, I didn't do any of it. I just said yes. I just had to keep saying yes. And it, it sucked sometimes saying yes. And I've forfeited things by saying yes. But I just kept saying yes. Mm. And God never failed off that promise that I will, I will... I will bless this life on this earth to which it will be troubling. It will be tough. Earth is meant to do that, but I'll bless it. And he keeps doing it. I get out of rehab. I, I, uh, I go back to school. I was always smart. School was super, super easy for me. And, and it was so easy that I was arrogant and cocky about it. I, 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 don't, I still to this day don't take notes on things because I have a mm-hmm. really good memory. Mm-hmm. So I, I always found medicine interesting growing up. I, I still, to this day, read medical journals and stuff just for fun. And uh, so I went to medic school right out of college. Cause I'm like, I'm 20 years old. I, I should, I should do, I'm not going to college. Uh, I, I hadn't been going to college. So I should, I should do something. Maybe I find a career. I go to medic school. I graduate as a medic. I never practiced as one because while I was in school, I also found this band, um, found a group of guys that played music that were all around the state of Wisconsin and we'd collectively get together and, and we started playing bar shows and the, you know, 50 people turned into a hundred people, turned into 200 people, turned into 300 people in these bars. I mean, one, if it wasn't unusual to go to a bar show and have the, I, I remember one night I looked at the, the capacity of the room was 275. Wow. And so the bar owner was like, I, we can't take any more in. And so the people started lining the streets, mm. like the sidewalk. Wow. And so I mean, it was, it was a part, it was fun. It's fun. But I did all this music stuff I did sober and people don't, people oh. also don't think that either is I did, but I was, I was, I was sober, but still 
a 14 year old in, in my head. Mm. I was, I was sober, but I was still, I could still get angry and get into a fist fight. Mm. Right. Um, and so, uh, we become more and more popular. We're, we're, we're playing so, these shows. Yeah. So you're, your arrested development jumped from seven, eight to 14. Yeah. Wow. So I mean, keep going. But I mean, that's, that's, that's where, when I started becoming uh, uh, addicted to substances, Wow. that's where I was for sure. I was 14 years old. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, so in, in, in college, we, we, we might've even figured out how to like, you know, go into recording studios. Cause this is, again, this is still pretty early. It's 2003, 2004. Right. That, uh, figure out how to go into a recording studio. Oh, we're going to make this demo. And it, what, you know, like every, everyone that wants to be a rock star ever growing up, uh, we make this demo and this, so American Idol is really, really popular at this point. And then this is, we're going into season two of American Idol. Cause if I remember correctly, American Idol was 2003. Mm-hmm. So 2004, um, it would have been their second season and they do this contest called kiss idol. So they've, they match with, uh, they paired up with kiss FMs across the nation and, uh, they had, regional unsigned bands, which I think today would be ludicrous to even do just from a legality <laughs> standpoint, but you were to send your tape in and they would, they were having this, like, it was like a battle of the bands on the, on, oh, yeah. on, on like a national radios yeah. and ours, our, we submitted it stupidly and like, like, like who, whoever thinks that that's going to work. Right. But then we get a callback. They're like, we'll take, we're going to take you, you, you've made the competition. And, mm. um, so there's, I don't know, maybe hundred, maybe, I don't know however many it was. So, we, uh, night one, were paired up against, uh, five other bands or something. And they, and they had this spot on kiss FM at the time where it was like 20 minutes. They would cover this and they would play all, all the songs back to back. And then callers would call in and vote. And night one, we win and night two, we win night three, we win. And, and we're at the point where, the, the, so if you win the competition, it was na- it was national rotation on kiss FMs throughout the country for, uh, for, uh, this, the rest of, for, for, for summer or whatever, wow. maybe it was a year. Oh my gosh. And that's uh, huge. And we ended up winning the whole thing. Wow. So I, I finished medic school at the same week I win this, this, uh, kiss FM contest. Mm. And now my records being played on kiss FMs across the country. Mm. And it, and, it, and it's not just once like it was regular rotation. So the rotation schedules every two hours, uh, a, a top 100 station would have to play the song again. Cause that's what, that's what it is. Mm. And then two weeks later, we're in a, we're gosh, two weeks, two days later, we're in a tour van with national acts. Uh, and by national acts, I mean, acts that are on the radio. And then I'm 23, 22 at this time. And, uh, that ride just kept going. And I, I met several billboard artists. I met, I, I met that, movie that stars. I was, be. That had to be really good. That had to be a highlight of your life. Yeah, sure. That, and it is. And, and in my adult life, a lot of people, they have so many questions about that because it's just an unusual thing that, you know, you're, you're, you just don't meet many people that have experienced that mm. going on large summer tours with, I mean, at the time in 2004, five, six, seven, I couldn't turn on the radio without knowing the band personally that I was listening to. Mm. And, uh, and so there comes a bit of arrogance with that too. Mm. There comes pride. There comes like, you know, and I, and I'm still trying to sort out what's what with, I know that I was called to be a, a godly person. And so I'm, I'm learning faith on the road. I'm learning faith in 
recovery recovery halls and AA meetings and mm. NA meetings and mm. uh you know it's it's just this whirlwind of you don't ever think it's going to end because it happens so weirdly uh it happens so weirdly that you just don't think that this season's ever going to end and then all of a sudden one day it does mm. so I'm I'm we're doing a college tours I think it's 2008, 2007. Um, and, uh, we were playing the university of Minnesota hmm. that night. So I'm at the mall of America in the morning hmm. and, uh, I'd realized that these people, this band I had where well, they weren't my friends, they were business partners. We were making money. We were, but in any other universe, I would not hang out with these people. Hmm. And I was growing at a point where I, I just, these people were mean. They were, and I didn't want to, I, I was, I was sick of, spending so much time with people that didn't deserve my time. And, and I, I, at the, I, I was with my, my now wife. Um, and I knew, I knew the, I knew the first time I kissed her, I was, she was, I knew she was my wife, you know? And I was at a point where I'm like, I've been doing this for years and years and years. I just want to go home. I just want to, I just want to be with, with Jenna. And, uh, so I'm sitting at the mall of America eating, uh, orange chicken from, uh, uh, I, I don't know. That's one of the, one of the chain Chinese f foods. And, uh, I just looked at the guys and I'm like, after tomorrow, I'm going to go home. And mm -hmm. I put my fork down. I said, okay. And I got up and walked away. Cool. <laughs> and mm -hmm. and you, I, I was throwing, I was throwing away money. I was throwing away, I mean, cool stories that they are cool stories. They're fun yeah. stories. Sure enough. We, we, the next day we had uh, one more date on the college tour and that was it. Yeah, that was it. I, 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 um, I went home and then came the, well, I have to figure out what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. Cause I think I'm 27 or 28 at the time. Mm. And, uh, and I remember, well, I, I went, I, I was a medic. So, uh, maybe I'll just go, go, I'll go for nursing and maybe go get a doctorate or something in that. Um, so for a year I was, I was, I knew I should probably do something with my life. I took some sales jobs, which I'm, I'm pretty good at because I, I mean, I've been selling this idea of a band to record labels and managements and radio stations and merch tables for the last seven, eight years of my life. Uh, I was really good at sales. Um, uh, I didn't want to do sales for the rest of my life, but so, so I, I worked, I worked for a company that they uh, repositioned the jobs to, to the, uh, to Georgia and so I was laid off and that was, at, it was at that moment where I'm like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta go back to school. Hmm. So I went back to school for nursing. Um, it made sense cause I had medic degree. Uh, but every time I walked past this, uh, this, uh, their audio visual studios at NWTC, um, I would just stop and be like, I could do all that. Um, and then I kept praying on it on, cause I, I was doing really good in nursing school. I was hmm. doing really good. Hmm. Grades were coming in. It was easy. Um, that was my lesson in life that if just, just because you can do something doesn't always necessarily mean you have to, or should do something. That's good. Um, and so it was one day before see, uh, the semester was going to start. And, and I, and I said, I felt God tell me, just go see, just go see. Mm. So I go to the, the career center and I'm like, I know semester starts tomorrow and I have these, uh, I have a full schedule. Um, but can I switch to, to, uh, digital media and, and that was like, a, cause it was very tough to get into nursing school, especially at that time. It was like, there was a long wait to get into it. And then she was like, well, I'll check. But I mean, semester starts tomorrow. And then she checked on her computer. She goes, 
oh, look at that. It turns out there's one opening left. Mm. If you want it, you can have it right now. Mm. And, uh, and I said, yeah, yeah, I think I will. And that was what happened for, I went to school. I did really well. And uh, long story short, that kind of brings me to, to today mm. in, in regards to what I've done career-wise and what I've done uh, in that regard. Would I have ever thought, and, and, and yeah, I'm a pastor here. Uh, yeah. I'd never had any intention of becoming a pastor here. Yeah. Yeah, you're men's pastor, matter of fact. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I had no intention in that. Yeah. That happened all accidentally. Yeah. And by accidentally, I mean by God. Yeah. God uh, brought me to this moment. I was, just, I was just telling Shelby upstairs that like, it's interesting when we look at when we showed up here, right? I, so me and Jenna attended Life Church right after my son was born. Uh, I, was, I was really nervous to be a dad. I, was, I didn't really have a blueprint. Like I said in the last episode, I was kind of taking all these dad blueprints from television. And if I just mold them all together, that'll be the dad I'm going to try and be. Mm -hmm. And Jenna says, well, we, we, we should go to, let's, let's go to church. Mm. Let's put our, let's put our chips on Jesus. Yeah. And if there's a, if there's a horse I'm going to bet on, that's probably the winning one. Smart lady. And so we did. And, uh, so I was on the serving team here. I, weirdly, I, after I stopped touring, I sold all my touring equipment. I, I mean the, the amp that we play on Sunday, the basis play here is my, it's my touring amp. So that's like a cool little piece of like. You shouldn't have said that. Somebody will break in here and try to steal that thing. Well, every 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 time I play bass, I get to play on my old on my old rig, which is really there you go, really really a beautiful thing for me. But I I sold all. I had like twenty some guitars. I sold mm. them. Um, I put my guitars in the closet. I said I'm not. I'm, there's no need for this anymore. I was a songwriter in Nashville right after I was mm. done touring. Well, I was doing my sales jobs. Mm. I would uh, I, I was signed to a label in Nashville to write music, and so I would like leave on like a Thursday night or something and drive down to Nashville. It's a nine hour drive or something. It's a beautiful drive. And then I would be in writing sessions and playing in Nashville on the weekend. And then Sunday night, drive home and go to work on Monday. Mm. Uh, and I did that for like a year and mm. it was a really cool and beautiful season of my life. Yeah. Um, but after that, I was like, I'm done. Mm. I, I sold everything. I put my guitars in the closet and, uh, it, it, it would be almost two years or something and I'd, without even touching a single guitar. I show up at Life Church, right? And within, uh, we're in the parking lot. This We hadn't even been to Life Church yet. In the parking lot. And I, I see someone I know. And he goes, bro, hey, man. And we hug and we're like, oh, dude, this is a good church. You're going to like this mm -hmm. church. And then we, we walk inside and I knew another guy. And this guy I went to college with, you know, for digital media. And he goes, Oh yeah, you're, you, mm. you, you play instruments, don't you? Mm. Yeah. I remember, I remember, I remember uh, you, you talking about that at school and not like bragging, but just like, you know, general conversation. Where, where were you four years ago? I was, two, I was mm. on the road touring. Mm. And then he goes, you need to meet the worship pastor. And so I'm like, I haven't even been to a service yet. Right. <laughs> and mm. within three minutes, I'm, I, I know like so many people. Yeah. Uh, what I, I think so many is like, I know like five, handful of people, mm -hmm. but enough that I trust them and I like yeah. them. And then I meet, uh, I meet the worship pastor at the time here. And, um, and, and Jacob Miller was the guy's name, uh, that introduced me. He goes, yeah, you need to know this guy. This guy can play anything. And, uh, and then, so I talked to the worship pastor and it was Jonathan at the time. And he goes, uh, and we just hit it off. We became friends. Mm. But I was on the serving team, like <laughs> within, mm. within before even hearing a sermon. Yeah. And I say all that to say that because I had plans to never play a guitar again, God had other plans. Yeah. 
uh, God has uniquely blessed my hands mm-hmm. to, to play music. And when I was doing it, not for him, uh, yes, I chased the things of the world. I got money. I got notoriety. Yeah. I got, uh, fame to whatever that meant. Um, but I always felt like as a musician, I always felt, uh, unfulfilled. I just felt like, I don't, I, I remember that feeling I had sitting in the mall of America on that Friday afternoon before playing the university of Minnesota and being like, I'm just going to go home. And, and I realized that I needed to do all of those things. I needed to go and the whole story is weaved and you need, you need to do all these things because your true purpose and calling I have for you, the, the one that we're going to talk about when we meet face, face to face, Christ mm-hmm. said, when we meet face to face, we will talk about one season yeah. that I brought you to in detail. The one I called you to the one that I, I let you experience all those things. So you could take all of those things and, and help grow a worship band in a church that is going to be very prevalent and prominent in your area. Yeah. And yes, I'm going to, I'm going to let you skin your knees a few times, but I'm going to be there. That's good. And we'll patch it up. Yeah. And the devil, I I think that there's, there's this, we give the devil a lot of credit for things that he was, that he just has no business getting credit for. Right. Uh, I 100% agree. And, and, and I, I do think there's a little bit of Job in my story where the devil's like, I see what your, I see what your idea is with him. But I think that, I think I can tease him with other things and he mm. won't. And I, 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 he won't, he won't follow. Yeah, that's good. And, and, and I, I do look back now and I say, yeah, I didn't have a father. It sucked. Mm-hmm. I had a, kind of a rocky childhood. It sucked. I, had, I did addiction way too early and that, that mm-hmm. sucked. Mm-hmm. If, if, if you come at me and say, I, I'll fix any of that for you. I'll take it all away, but you have to trade what you have right now. Mm. I'd be like, no, nah, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. I, I had, I had to get my teeth punched in because without getting my teeth punched in, I can't, I couldn't, I couldn't lead men the way I do today. Right. I, I had to, I had to get thrown through the dirt because those, those scars are going to help tell a story of his. Mm-hmm. It, the, the story doesn't sound miraculous. It doesn't sound amazing unless you hear how bad exactly it was. And that today I don't have a craving to drink or do drugs, mm-hmm. which is, unfathomable mm-hmm. to an addict. It's true. I don't have any craving to be less of a man than I was yesterday. I don't have any craving to, I'm disgusted with my sin now. Do I still have sin? Sure. I'm of this world, right? That's where I came from, but I'm of God now. So yeah, the the world still likes to play world games on me. Mm. I still have sin. Sure. But I'm disgusted by it, which yeah. is, which is a completely different uh, temperature than what I was when I was without him. Mm. So, so today as we sit, how old are you? I'm 41. 41. So you, you've probably just remembering some of the stories I've heard over time. You've probably lived a couple of lives that most people live. Yeah. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. So you mentioned one reoccurring theme continues to emerge and surface uh, like a buoy or like a submarine, a nuclear submarine coming uh, from the deepest parts, surfacing and buoying up just that when, when, if it's not a soft, if it's not a soft rise, uh, when submarines come up, it's, it's a hard blow and it just shoots out of the water. And that 
as you tell your story and I see you shooting out of the water like a nuclear submarine, the one thing, the one part of your story is you're not really a miracle until Jesus came in and changed who you really were. Correct. And he he imparted. Correct. Through that change piece. Well, I'll tell you what, if I, you just remove the drugs and alcohol, I was still a broken, banged up, f- fearful, uh, thief, liar, cheat. Uh, the, the drugs and the alcohol were merely the symptom of my real problem. My real right. problem was me. That's good. And, yeah. and the miracle of it is, is that yes, I was an incredibly different human being in 2001. Mm. So fist fighting, drug dealing, gang banging, all of it. Just, but you know, I, I'm not that today. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 the story, if it, if, 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 if it had anything, if it's just look at God, I, the, the, the thing you've said it several times, and I want to connect the two things you've said several times separately is I answered when he called mm-hmm. and I would edit that and add to that. And he gave me peace. Yes. Everything I searched for in a bottle, everything I searched for in pills, in powder, mm. I obtained with Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I have not wanted to kill myself in a very long time. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I become a productive member of society. Yeah. I'm a successful in business. Yeah. I'm have a beautiful wife and beautiful children yeah. in a beautiful neighborhood that the 19 year old version of me has no business living in. Yeah. And, I, uh, and you're hammering out things in the kingdom that, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah most so, guys at your age don't get a chance so to do. It's when you pray for patience, you're going to get tested with opportunities to be patient. Mm-hmm. Right. So yes, in order to maintain the lifestyle I have, and I don't mean monetarily, I mean, oh, yeah. spiritually and, right. and, and sanity, like if my, my spirituality and my, my, uh, my sanity, my sanity there's a price that that comes at. Mm-hmm. And God said that you, you have it, it's yours. But I also am going to require things from you right? because this is a relationship. That's good. You know, you, you switched, you, you drew a, a hard line in the sand there in with that distinction. And that distinction is in my brokenness and, and thriving through my trauma. I sought things that I could never reach, or if I did get a taste of those, I could never enjoy. Mm-hmm. But now I'm pursuing Jesus because mm-hmm. he's healed me. And now the things that I pursued through the worldly channels and systems, mm-hmm. he's given me mm-hmm. because I pursued him yep. and I answered when he called yep. and he gave me peace. Yep. That's yep. all good. That's, that, there's, that's, that's a the, good story. That's a story. That's, that's a good story. And my story doesn't, I know my story doesn't vary from many others. Yeah. There I've different names in different places. Yeah. But the idea of my story remains the same. I think anyone with true peace that the true peace that I have, yeah, that is, that is of God. Uh, it's, it's impossible to manufacture on your own. When you said, and we'll, we'll wrap it up with this, but when you said that, the things I ask for, be careful what I ask for, because when I do, he answers. Mm-hmm. And I've heard you say that lots of times yeah, in so, other places. So the, the, I mean, that's, that brings back to, I was 19 years old praying, God just removed this from me in a car, having drugs on me, knowing I was going to go to jail. Mm-hmm. 
And you know what? Be careful what you ask for. Yeah. Because I didn't say how I wanted yeah. it to go away. Right. And I look back now in my life and I go, prayer answered. Yeah. Yeah. Prayer answered. It's like a really, uh, it's like a really cool, if you've ever seen a tapestry, like a legit real mm-hmm. like cool, it's the most beautiful, one of the most beautiful things. If you like art and I like art a little, but if you like art and you see a real tapestry, it's like, it's mesmerizing. Mm-hmm. And your story is just like that. It's this tapestry that God, and what's interesting is that there's not anything that you did or pursued that caused God to turn away from you. No, no. And there's not anything that you tried or wanted to try that kept him from working on the final picture, Mm -hmm. the beautiful, Mm -hmm. the beautiful thing that you are now. It's not necessarily but where you're at right now it's about the finished product yeah. god knows the finished product and you're eligible for the finished product if you keep saying yes yeah so god's like i i look at it back when i thought he i was the punching bag for him and the angels now i look at it and god's just looking and instead the conversation is not a laughing one yeah but he looks to the angels and goes just wait yeah just wait right man. just wait right just Give it some time. Just yeah. wait. Yeah. And then they're all watching me f- chase after him. Mm-hmm. And that's the same for you if you're listening. Right. God's just saying, no, 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 no. He's, he's doing mm-hmm. this. Yeah. I, it's stupid right now. Yeah. Just wait. Just wait. If you keep saying yes, mm-hmm. that's going to be a story of how, how I overcame that through him. Mm-hmm. You know? So fatherless father who now is fathered by God Mm -hmm. and you've reached not, you mentioned, you mentioned something about this while ago. And I just thought that is just like God being a good father. You mentioned that, that God had to take you through a thing to, to draw your testimony out Mm -hmm. of you, Mm -hmm. to draw it out, to pull it out Mm -hmm. so that you would have a story to tell. Mm -hmm. But in so doing, he was healing trauma and removing sin And create, recreating, making yep. a new creation. Second Corinthians five seventeen says he made it. He makes all mm-hmm. things new. Mm-hmm. And you just simply prayed in a moment of desperation, not caring how he did it. God just take it, take from, it away, just, just make yeah. this go away, and look out, look what happened. And now I'm I'm one hundred percent certain the generational curse of addiction in my family is broken because right. of God. Right, and, and you have a son. Mm-hmm. who will carry on the new name yes and a daughter who will carry that new name with her someday and and have her own children yes and that name will be carried on in them as well yes so this whole if you if you're listening to this this theme the storyline here pick up the phone and answer he will give you peace and 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 the caveat is mm-hmm. offered by God and and not you but the caveat is I'll break every curse in your life and I'll mm-hmm. change your family tree. Just right get out now. of the way and let him work. Let him do his thing. Just let him work. Yep. Yep. That's don't, cool. Don't give up five minutes before the miracle's about to happen. <laughs> if I would have given up, if, if that gun would have actually yeah. went off, yeah. my gosh, I could not imagine that face-to-face me and him was going right. to have. Mm-mm. Right? Mm-mm. And I just, I, today I'm living, a, I'm living in a, such a way that the first chance that I have that face to face to reckon mm. to, to that I will be accounted for with yeah. all of my actions. Oh man, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. You know, that's good. It's, it's not a, Oh, I'm scared to have that conversation. 
with God. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to embrace God. Mm-hmm. It, it's not a, will I make it in? It's a, it's impossible for me not to. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's not a, do you even know who I am? It's a, I've lived my life in such a way that it is impossible for you and the angels not mm-hmm. to know who mm-hmm. I am. And I woke up this morning and I'm my life. I need to live in such a way that is impossible for them not to know who I yeah, am. That's good. And that's, yeah, because through me, through, through my actions, my life, it's, it's his story. Yeah. His story. It's, it's impossible to look that at my story so, and say, oh. and say anything cool I've done. I can tell you though, all the cool things God has done. That's good. Keith, that is so good. Probably one of the best, probably one of the best stories so far in all, and we've done probably 60 podcasts by now, but so many, holy cow, holy cow. Mm. Yep. Hey, listen, pray for the guys right now. You pray us out. Wrap it up. Heavenly Father, thank you. First and foremost, thank you for being our God. You are our God. You are the Alpha and the Omega. You are everything. And I thank you for giving for giving us the opportunity because we mm. don't we don't deserve the opportunity mm. to worship you. Yeah. I thank you for giving us the opportunity to worship you. Remind the listeners that while the world may have you think that God owes you something, you don't owe us anything, God. Mm. You don't owe us anything. Remind mm. the listeners, yeah. as you remind me on a daily basis, that you are not here to serve us, but we are here to serve you. Yes. You. I was created to serve you. Mm. I thank you so much for what you've done in my life and my family's life. and I thank you for the broken bones and the skin knees. I, th- I know without those, I couldn't tell your story. Hmm. I thank you for the responsibility you've given me in my, on my calling. Hmm. Cause yeah, it hurt, but man, it hurt so good. Yeah. Thank you so much. God. I humbly, I, I humbly pray over our church. I humbly pray over our men's ministry. I I'm humbled. Hmm. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the listeners today. Bless their lives. Bless in abundance. And even if their blessings immediately don't look the way they want them to look. Oh, man. Thank you. Thanks. I, th- I, I thank you for the opportunity mm, yes, and, the, and, the, and the position. The chair I get to sit in while I watch you do your work. <laughs> it's the best seat in the house. Mm. We ask all this in your heavenly name. Amen. Hey, fatherless father, if you need to know about more about being fathered by God, reach out to us at fatherseekers.org, fatherseekers.org, and pass this podcast on, post it on your social media. Hey, dude, we love you. Talk to you soon. Take care.